welcome to uh, Learning the Tropes. I am Erin, one of your hosts. Um, I am actually here with a very special guest, uh, Joy Mitchell. So she is a Los Angeles-born, Europe-based TV writer, producer, who has worked on the Netflix drama series Bridgerton, which we're all fans of. Uh, she's also written for Alice Ryder, uh, Letter for the King, Deutschland 86, um, and the second season of the award-winning international TV drama uh, series Deutschland 83. Uh, currently, she's working on developing two drama projects. So welcome, Joy. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, so firstly, the reception of Bridgerton has been amazing. Um, so congratulations on that. How does it feel to have it out in the world now? Yeah, no, it feels really great that it's out now. Um, like I spent like quite a bit of time working on the show with everyone and I think like I'm really glad just that it's out now and everyone's enjoying it. How long have you were you working on it before it came out? Yeah so um, I started in the room uh, the writer's room back in 2018 so like fall of 2018 and then I was on set until like December of 2019 so a little over a year I was working on it. Well, I'm so happy you guys avoided all of COVID. <laughs> Thank goodness. Or we couldn't have this now. Um, so, yeah. How, how did you get started as a TV writer? Is it something you always wanted to do? Um, it's funny because actually growing up, like, I was always writing. Like, I was always writing little short stories, like, during school or um, after school. And just loved going to the library and watching TV after school and stuff like that. Um, I didn't know that like writing TV was even like actually a career option, probably until I got to high school and I went to um, a school that had um, some friends, like some kids' parents were like TV writers and producers and directors and stuff like that. And it just was like, oh, like this is a thing, (laughs) like this is a career option that one can have. Um, And so I like once I got to college, like I took my first Uh, screenwriting course and then uh, decided to go to grad school uh, at Emerson College in Boston and like studied uh, screenwriting and fiction writing there and I actually wanted to be a YA novelist funny enough um, which may still happen one day but uh, from there I decided like I actually just fell in love with screenwriting and kind of started working in TV while I was in grad school Um, and from there, um, after I finished working for a year for NBC Universal, Universal in, um, development and production for one of their networks, um, I ended up moving to Berlin, actually, uh, to pursue writing in the sense of just moving to a place where I could just write, like, could just, like, be, have enough time, like, free time to write. Uh, and so, yeah, like that's kind of how I got started. I met the showrunner of Deutschland 83, um, who also just recently did Unorthodox. Um, but she, oh, cool. like, I met her while living in Berlin. Um, and she kind of ca- gave me my big break, like, um, staff me on the second season of Deutschland. That's awesome. What made you decide to move to, to Berlin? I know you said you know, more opportunities, but sort of specifically Berlin. Yeah, yeah, it's actually like, funny enough, it wasn't opportunities in Berlin. It was more that Berlin was um, like sort of affordable, like artsy city compared to LA where I was working in TV, but 
you work really long hours in TV and I just needed to be somewhere where I wasn't, you know, working from nine to seven and then trying to come home and write. Um, and in Berlin, like yeah. I was working more part-time. So I worked about like three days a week for a startup doing content marketing, like just doing that kind of writing. And then the rest of the week I could just write, um, work on screenplays. So um, that's kind of how I ended up in Berlin. I was just like, oh, it's a great city. Um, it's really f fun, full of creative people. Uh, people speak English and like a lot of people speak English there. You can kind of get by without having to fully learn uh, German. And so I was just like, you know what? I will go here and just write new screenplays and send them back to LA and kind of once something lands in LA I'll move back to LA so that was my like original plan moving to Berlin I love that so much because I think especially you know people sometimes think that you have to be in a very specific place to make some something happen and I love that you were just sort of like mm, no I think I'm just gonna go have a little bit of fun give myself the space to write and then you know, it sounds like it definitely paid off and, you know, you, you have such a great career. It definitely was. A, it was a gamble that like paid off in a way I did not expect at all because I 100 percent did not expect to start my like TV writing career in Berlin. Did not. That was not the plan. Did not expect that. But it kind of happened on its own once I made the move. Um, and you don't have to be in L.A., I guess, to get started in, in TV, which is fun to hear, too. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess I kind of like broke broke that rule because I'm from Los Angeles. So it was a thing where, you know, most of my like all like most, if not all of my friends and family were like, you want to be a TV writer, but you're leaving Hollywood to go to <laughs> Berlin. It makes no sense. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it definitely like worked out. Um, yeah, it definitely worked out. So. I, I'm proof that you don't necessarily have to live in LA to make things happen for yourself. Well, and how do you like how do you feel being in Europe specifically has been like helpful or challenging sort of in, in the in the TV writing process and, and within your career? Because you're back in LA now, right? Yeah, I'm in LA at the moment. I'm sort of packing up I had stuff, <laughs> I had things sort of split between I was in London for Bridgerton last year and then um, had stuff in Berlin, uh, like in my apartment in Berlin, and then I had stuff here in LA. And so I just like came back to basically pack up everything and like move everything back over. Um, but I think like it's been helpful being based in Europe just because I'm someone like, especially given my experience, like as an expat, I'm someone who I really value sort of like international TV and the way that, you know, Netflix, um, well, Netflix, especially because I feel like they were at the forefront of this, but like other networks now too, I think Disney plus is available overseas too, but the way streaming has allowed TV to sort of travel all over at once. Like, I think that's amazing. Like as someone who travels a lot, like Netflix is kind of the only network I could watch no matter where, no matter if I was in LA, London or Berlin, like I could watch a show, like I could keep up with whatever show I was watching. Like I didn't have to be like, like sort of geo-blocked, uh, you know, once I traveled somewhere else. So I think like seeing that happen and, you know, with Bridgerton coming out all at the same time, all over the world, like I think it's just, it's, it's cool, like in a sense that globalization has connected us all. And I think just being, I've sort of placed myself in the middle of that, given my, like my background as an expat now, I think that's just helped. 
I guess I would call it leverage. Like I think I have a foot in these different, I have a foot in the UK, I have a foot in the EU and I have a foot in the US. And I think, you know, that just is something that I see as an asset. And I think um, some producers and shows see that too. So I think it's been helpful, like with my like perspective as well, like just seeing the world from a different point of view and getting to write different characters of different nationalities. just being able to put myself in their shoes because I've been sort of that fish out of water in other countries, like for the past six years. Yeah, everything is copy. Totally. That, it, yeah, that brings that perspective for sure. Um, so yeah, so to, to bring it to Bridgerton, um, how did you how did you end up writing for Bridgerton? How did you get uh, the job? Yeah, so that's kind of like, I guess, a classic writing story in that my agents, um, I was like formally repped at WME agency and my agents, um, you know, put me in touch with Shondaland and I did a meeting there um, in 2018. And a few weeks after that sort of general meeting, they reached out to my agents and said, hey, you know, we have this show, it's based off um, these books by Julia Quinn, you know, it's set in London, it's a period drama, we think um, Joy would be like, good for it. So, um, and so I met with the showrunner of the show, and it kind of all went from there. So that's kind of, it was kind of definitely my agents connecting me to Shondaland, and then learning about the book series and the show from there. Nice. So you had, you hadn't read Bridgerton before you were hired no actually I had not like I had not read the books before I, I was hired so I read the books like once they reached out about it I, I read the books for my interview but I hadn't read them before the show like I was not a huge um I wasn't even <laughs> aware of them to be honest um but I think what's cool is like our our room was um kind of made up of people like some some of the writers were huge fans of the books and knew about them before. And then others of us like came on board and, you know, read them like, you know, for the show specifically. So we're kind of coming in a bit cold. So it's, I think it's it was good to have like all of those perspectives when we were writing the show, because you have people that are, you know, you have some people in the room that are super loyal to certain characters or moments or whatever, and other people that don't have the same kind of emotional attachment but we all kind of could feed into it and see it from different points of view which is what what makes you know I think which is what I think makes a show great is like bringing a group of people a group of writers together to you know put their ideas together. Did you guys do any research other than obviously reading the books and did you read all like all eight or did you just do Duke and I? I think some people read all eight or had already read all eight. I read the first three uh, books just to you know kind of know what was going on and kind of know where it was going because you know you could start to plant certain relationships or certain things in in um, the first season that um, you know if there are more seasons can be played out Um, so I think we I read the first three and then um, outside of reading those books then I you know, the whole room together, we had a researcher, Erin, who's great. And she just pulled like all kinds of research. So, you know, we like kind of had a list of like inventions of the time, um, stuff <laughs> like that. Like there's a scene in the pilot where the lights, you know, the guy like lights the lights um, 
all those little light bulbs come come on and it's like finding like little things like that where like this is a new like light that kind of light was like a new thing at that time in that time period in that year so it was like lots of research about stuff like that like what was going on at the time you know what was going going on with the king and the queen um like that kind of thing that sounds like that sounds like a dream job too. just like doing all that research and just bringing like fun tidbits to people. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, there were definitely I think my favorite I don't remember what this was called. But we found out that there was some kind of like fair or carnival ride that was almost like a roller coaster, like a modern day roller coaster, but it was like a slide. So you didn't sit in like a, you know, a car. It was you yourself sitting down and like sliding and going up and down these like crazy. It looks, we saw a picture of it. I don't know what it's called, but it was crazy. And I really wanted it to be in the show, but obviously that would have been uh, a whole like probably production nightmare and dangerous for the actors. But it was like, <laughs> it looked really, it looked really cool. Uh, and when we were researching, there were pictures of it. Um, so yeah, we did find some kind of cool things that I'd like never heard of before. I love that. You're like, what's like a really dangerous and impractical thing that we could just sneak in there and see if maybe <laughs> you could get to see it in real life? Was there a scene that you were like most excited to to write, either one that you adapted or sort of one that the room came up with? Yeah, I think, I mean, one of my favorite scenes is, you know, Penelope sort of telling Marina um, not to go for Colin. Like, I think, you know, Penelope and Colin is kind of like a, a big deal. Like, even I know that, like, having not been a... <laughs> Uh, a huge fan for that long like that was immediately clear as soon as I signed on to the on signed on to the show so I think you know that scene of like just not him like pick anyone but him uh was super fun I think um and relatable I think also uh, Eloise and Daphne's goodbye kind of at the end like after um I'm like spoiler I guess people would will watch this but uh once yeah. Daphne and yeah once Daphne and Simon are married uh and Eloise and Daphne saying goodbye and Daphne giving her her bedroom I think their relationship is like special to me because I have an older sister and it's that thing of like you know looking up to your older sister but also being different um from them and just you know navigating that but still like showing you love your sister and that you're gonna miss your sister when she leaves but you're also like yeah I'll take your room that'll be great <laughs> like bye like you know so yeah um I loved the sort of hints at the Penelope and Colin I that's like the biggest relationship and for us because we're the the podcast we review a lot of romance novels and romancing Mr. Bridgerton which is their book is the one that was like requested so much and I knew that like the series was going to come out and stuff so it's like well I want to hold and re we'll read all the Bridgertons in anticipation of the series and everything but people basically kept requesting it to a point where it's like fine we'll just read it if that's what you people want I can't not so, um, and I thought it was really beautifully done to uh, the way that it's it's been sort of hinted at. And I guess, yeah, being a reader and knowing what what's going to come, it makes it all a little bit sweeter. Yeah, it's like, it's playing the balance of like building a good story for the people who have never read the books. And also like, you know, winking at the people who have, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, it's like kind of like yeah. walking the line of that for that story. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, I mean, that begs an interesting question, sort of, were you guys thinking act, 
actively about who you're writing for, like super fans, of which obviously there are a ton, or people who were just going to find it come in cold? I think first and foremost, it was a thing of like, because some of us like me are coming or coming in cold, so to speak, like, I think it's writing something that could appeal to everyone, not just like romance fans, not just romance novel fans, not just Julia Quinn fans, like definitely want to appeal to them and in a way like keep them in mind, like in the back of our minds. But it's also like writing some, it was like for me at least writing something that appealed to everyone. Like even if you weren't a super fan of the books, you could become a super fan of the show and then, you know, pick up the book sort of after if you want, if you don't already have them. So I think at least for me, like that's how like kind of how I approached it. And so obviously you guys had to like combine characters and add characters and stuff just because it's a it's a completely different medium. Um, and in particular, I'm interested about Queen Charlotte. So she doesn't appear in the books at all, but plays a pretty significant role in the series. Um, in romance novels, we you rarely will see royalty at all. And it's certainly not sort of centered as she is. So sort of what was the impetus uh, behind adding her into the series? From what I remember, it was that like, we just thought it'd be fun. Like, I think it was that like this show is about women, you know, women of all kinds and what they go through in this society. And so it felt like having Queen Charlotte and like seeing a woman, a woman of her stature and her you know, role in society, taking part in like gossip and how gossip plays in her life. Like she's sort of trapped in her own sort of marriage and in her own sort of castle and like kind of cut off from people, but then seeing how she finds ways to like inject herself sort of into the story or like affect the story. And just that she's like, you know, deeply involved in like reading whistle down I think it was just one of those things that it would be fun and it was just another kind of woman to sort of explore like what her life is like and how gossip affects her life because it's almost like I sort of see it as if like in this world gossip for women is almost like a superpower like it's what you can do when you don't have that much power when men kind of have all the power like gossip is your sort of the way you can wield your power and and that's kind of why like I feel like Queen Charlotte is a fun character because she she is the queen but she's like you know deeply invested in the hot goss of the season so I think yeah that's kind of what wish why she's there or part of why she's there well yeah and the actress who plays her is amazing and so queenly herself and it's been fun to watch she's so amazing she's awesome yeah um, who was your favorite to write for? Which character? Did you have one? Yeah, I mean, I love Eloise. Um, and I've told Claudia Jesse this, like I've told her so she knows, but I think she just um she just goes against society and like questions things and like, you know, wants something different. I think that's really cool. Um, in general, as someone, you know, who kind of left America and was like questioned <laughs> this, this society and said, you know, this doesn't really work for me, so I'm gonna go somewhere else. So I think I really yep. like like and respect that about Eloise. And then the Featheringtons are are also really fun to write for. Like all of them. They're all like they're just all so they're just such a fun family um to write for. Like they're just funny. Like, I, like and I really enjoy sort of like the comedic like tones of their scenes. They're really fun. But it's like you understand 
I think you really understand, and at least I did writing their scenes, like you really understand and feel for the Featheringtons in this world. Mm -hmm. um, and you understand why, um, you understand kind of why they are the way they are. Yeah. That's something else that you all added that I thought was really fantastic is sort of elevating the Featheringtons as a counterweight to the Bridgertons. Um, sort of what happens when you don't exactly have it as much together. Um, and yeah, I've been loving the Featheringtons and especially Portia. And then Nicola Coughlin as uh, Penelope is obviously like perfection. Yeah, she's awesome. She's like, she's so great in the role. Like it's, yeah, I like definitely I'm hearing all over from lots of friends, like definitely a fan favorite. Um, and that was hard too, because Penelope is so beloved. Like, I think it's, it's, it's not like she was just going to waltz into that, but I think she definitely earned it for sure. Yeah. I'm like, bless Nicola for just like killing it. Cause you know, if, if she hadn't, it would be like, I feel like the book fans, the super fans would be, you know, so she, I think she's probably aware of the intense love for both Penelope <laughs> and Colin and that whole story. So she just, does such a great job in that role. Um, she's just, yeah, she's amazing. And yeah, and so you mentioned that you spent a ton of time on set, which must have been a, a lot of fun. Um, what was the first time that you sort of saw the set and the costumes and, and what did you think? I mean, it's uh, it was just amazing to kind of see it all come to life. Like from, you know, you go from looking at pictures, um, like doing the research, like talking about the balls and all these things in the room. and um sort of the set design and the wardrobe and everyone like everyone the crew like everyone's just so talented and did such an amazing job like bringing it to life and just making it look completely kind of insanely beautiful like the details um and people's like like on the dresses on um like I don't know like Cressida's hair like that character, like her hair, I have like, I took so many pictures because I was just like, your <laughs> hair is just like so intricate. Like just everything was very intricate and like done with care um, and it looked beautiful. So yeah. And there is a lot of eating in the show, which I love. I think it's great. People don't eat it. It's, well, it also just sort of shows them as being just like people of leisure, that they're just always eating something. Yeah. Yeah, we did research. Uh, there was a lot of research done on what they would be eating, how much they would eat. Like if you like on set, you could see there were all kinds of like sort of food, food shaped into the shape of like animals or like whole pigs or like suckling pigs. And like, you know, it was just like super decadent, like no way one part, like two people could eat all that food that they had or like at the reception, just the detail of the food and like the sort of like the way the art directors and everyone did everything um, to make it look some of it like some of it was real I think and then some of it wasn't like the food but like they just did such an amazing job on all of that. Yeah I feel like in you know because we're big romance novel readers and I feel like sometimes they like the authors will describe the food and it always sounds disgusting it's so it's a lot of like oyster pie <laughs> and different things like now I'm like no I'm okay turtle soup yeah some of the food was again I don't remember but I was like some of it I remember reading and just being like oh I wouldn't want to eat that or what is that like Simon's favorite food being gooseberry pie like what is a gooseberry I still don't know but you know I guess that was a thing or maybe it's still a thing in some part of the world and I just don't know what it is 
So, yeah, do you think that Bridgerton, you know, being a romance adaptation, do you think that there will be more following Bridgerton? Yeah, like I think, I mean, I would, I would think, I would say I hope so. I would imagine so. Like, I think there's that, that type of book, I think is ripe for, it's like ripe for the picking, sort of. Um, <laughs> I think it's, you know, it's interesting because I think for the most part, from what I know of romance novels and the romance novels that I have read, they're mostly written by women and it feels like one of those things, almost like gossip, you know, in the show, but it's one of those things that isn't taken quite as seriously as, you know, literature or, you know, other types of books. Um, but I think they're just like, a, you know, like, like they're a nice escape. Uh, and a lot of times they can be like quick reads and you're invested in their series and they go on. And I think, you know, yeah, I just think it's a uh, definitely there's an audience for it, as we've seen, like with how well Bridgerton has done um, and how well Julia Quinn's books have done. And I think there's an international audience. Like, I think from what I from my own personal experience, uh, it seems like uh, Julia's biggest fans are in Brazil. Uh, shout out to Brazil because they're hardcore <laughs> fans. Uh, and they so really are. It's like, they really, really are. And so I think it's one of those things where the, that international reach, it's just, I feel like it's just as strong as, you know, a Harry Potter or any other like book that's traveled around the world and been loved around the world. It's just not as maybe talked about um, or celebrated as those kinds of books. But I think maybe now is the time to revisit that and look, take another look. You mentioned reading other romances. Are are you a romance fan yourself or do you, do you have any sort of favorite books? Hey, I I used to be a big fan of sort of the the Sherilyn Kenyon books and like it was like Asheron or something like, like I think it was were they like vampires? I think they were vampires or something like that. I might be completely wrong, but I was like a big fan <laughs> of those books for like a while and then I like years ago and then um, I read a few of the Sicky Stackhouse books, um, like around, like a little bit before True Blood started, once when True Blood was announced. So I, I was a big fan of like, um, sort of, I guess, sort of sci-fi fantasy romance hybrid uh, books, like romance novels. Um, I don't read them as much anymore, but that's more, that's a whole other thing just because I went to grad school for literature and read a lot of very serious literature and just like, <laughs> I need to take a time out on reading so many books because we were reading a lot of books during school. Um, but I think, I think I just remember them being super fun and, you know, reading, reading Julia's books um, for the show. I'm like, oh yeah, like these are great. Like these are, <laughs> these are like, they're just, they're just so fun. Yeah. I mean, I obviously I agree because <laughs> I've made it a whole podcast about how much fun I think they are. But yeah, I, I agree. Well, that's the thing that is interesting about romance too. It's like how many facets there are in that there is like sci-fi, like aliens and also, yeah, the Regency and the American West and contemporaries and everything. And it, and it, I definitely hope and think that, you know, Bridgerton is going to make that happen. Can you let us know what you're working on next or now or? Yeah, right now I'm working on a couple projects, uh, series projects of my own. Um, like one is sort of a historical, I'd call it a biodrama based, um, set in the old Hollywood. And then the other one is sort of a 
genre blending, also historical, but it's more historical fantasy. Um, so that's been fun. And so, and then also uh, sort of modern day, uh, my take on a Nordic noir, which is like a Scandinavian crime drama, but my take on it with um, expat women in Scandinavia. So yeah. I mean, those those all sound super fun and I'm ready to watch all of them. Well, thanks so much for, again, for taking the time to chat. This has been like really amazing. I so appreciate it. Um, how can people find you if they want to to follow you? Yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Joy C. Mitch, uh, M-I-T-C-H. And then uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Joy in Europe. Awesome. Well, yeah, well, thanks so much again uh, for joining us. And um, all right, everybody, we'll see you next time. Bye.